Upstairs podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. On this episode, I have chapters seven and eight of Hungry Ghosts of Paradise. If you're just tuning in now, go back to chapter one some episodes back. These chapters cover the time in between travels from the funeral to a road trip that is coming up in the next chapter or two. And due to the content of this story, this episode is best listened to when children are not around or present. It contains explicit content. And yeah, I think I'm just going to get into it. Thank you for your messages about the story. Thank you for listening. And we're just going to keep going down the rabbit hole. Enjoy. Chapter 7 We arrived back to my A-frame townhome cabin in the woods. Even though the trip had been for grief, it had felt energetically bright, and the Olympia that we returned to darkened in comparison. It was almost freezing, frosty asphalt, frosty windows. We pull into the covered parking across my house and bring our things inside, the bags seemingly heavier and the space more gelatinous than it had been at our departure. I turn on the heater in my room to warm the space before bed. Aiden is chatty, offering information about his past. The disclosure disturbs me in this way that, after such a sweet day and this natural wind-down tiredness, I hold a fantasy of ending on a gentle note. He is rubbing up against the fantasy as if to scratch and stain it, yet he has entered my world so graciously and been everything for me this weekend. If this is his way of taking up space again after being an anchor for me, I need to open here, open to him even though I don't like what he is saying. It's what he tells me that disturbs me. He tells me for the first time about heroin being a part of his past. He says it was heroin that was the first thing that ever helped him totally drown out the voice of his dad, telling him he was a piece of shit, yelling in his face. It was like everything was drained of color in grayscale, and maybe it was due to having the lights off, but it was different than just the darkness of night. It was the conscious register that color was gone. I find this information about him shocking, then disillusioning, and I feel this swirly, distorted feeling about already being invested and committed and feeling a little whiplash, heroin. What does that imply about him? We fell asleep. I slept on my confusion. And when the sun came back up, the state of affairs didn't seem so desolate. We have breakfast. Life continues. A month began of us spending a lot of time together, consistently sharing home-cooked dinners and sleeping at each other's houses. Before I'd met Aiden, I had planned a big spring, to go to a Kundalini yoga festival in Joshua Tree, a writer's conference in Los Angeles, and a past life regression workshop retreat in New York. 
These had all been electric and edgy decisions. I was practicing following my highest excitement and shooting an arrow out into the future to create a timeline. We'd traveled so well together that I invited him to join me for my road trip for the West Coast part of it. To my surprise, he made moves quickly and got himself a month off of work. He was a yes. We can see how we do together on the road, he said, and see if we want to live together after. We inched toward that convergence, alternating at each other's places. One night when Aiden was over and we were making dinner, I told him that I was going to break things off with Sam. No, why? I just want you. I don't really like that, he said. I want you to have a lot of love. And we're all connected right now, but I can be aloof sometimes. Don't end it for me. It's not for you. And you're free to do what you want, I said compensatorily. But I just think of you when I'm with him. It shouldn't be that way. I'd seen Sam right when we got back from the trip. Sam robustly met the passage of my father's death with deep presence and stories to share and ears to listen to mine. Things were still sweet between us, but I couldn't turn back from the portal my intimacy with Aiden had opened up. Sam was boundaried, clear, and built relationships with clear, above-water communication and negotiations. He didn't pry, and he mostly accepted what I did or said at face value. But that was tricky for me because I was prone to be slippery in my Piscean ways and hide way too easily. But Aiden was psychic, having the same dreams as me at night, and I couldn't hide from him, nor did I want to. Where I didn't have the type of relationship skills to engage Sam and create with him, with Aiden I didn't even need those types of skills. Aiden would want to know what was wrong before I'd even admitted to being upset, and press me with a wide open heart to confess to him what was burdening me. Aiden was inside of me, and I liked it. I felt this extreme pressure around the gap between my opening with Aiden and the place I was at with Sam, which had been a slower and caring build. Back to the kitchen with Aiden, and Aiden protests, I'm not jealous, you know. I like you having another lover. I might have other connections while we're together someday, too. Okay, but it's not on your behalf. I pretend not to twinge at the thought of him being with someone else. After being more distant than usual, I invited Sam over to end things. We were in my room, sitting right beside my table and chairs, but for some reason sitting on the carpet beside them. Sam's hat on the floor, his utility belt splayed out on the floor, a shawl around him. Awkwardly, I spew out something like, I'm wanting to be monogamous for now with Aiden. Sam respects boundaries. Sam is self-contained. He appears disturbed, and a black light appears on his face. But he's not lying. I am. I could tell that things have changed, he said, but I thought you appreciated the way relationships enhance and pollinate each other. What can I say? I was lying. I was shut down, overwhelmed. Not sure how to feed our relationship anymore, and I felt full of shame. 
Not too many weeks ago, Sam at my front door, I let him in. We make out passionately. I ask him if he wants anything to drink. He says that he wants to drink me. He carries me up the stairs and fucks me, looks into my eyes. Sam accepts, and not at the cost of our friendship or his care. But I retreat back into my cocoon, back into falling into deeper and deeper infatuation with Aiden. Many nights before bed, after making love, Aiden massages me and I get to drift off to sleep in a wormhole of swirling colors, pure bliss, body and heart. I tell Aiden not to touch this one spot by my ear where I'd had a surgery, a cyst removed. It has become a very strange scar in the sense that I got the cyst during the time my parents thought I was bipolar in the middle of a major psychic and spiritual opening I was having, and I had to fake my way out of psychiatric intervention. My last partner suggested the cyst was one localized place in my body where the poison of that entire experience was stored. But ever since the surgery and the further development of my psychic abilities, the sight on my ear would burn or sting when I needed to course correct within an astrology reading. At least, that's how I interpreted it. I'd start to delineate and then pull back if I felt the pain. One woman asked me to keep going, and my ear burned as she cried streaming tears and thanked me, but just shook her head and waved her hand no when I asked her if there was anything she wanted to share. The scar showed me when I was resonating with another person's wounds, perhaps. If the scar hurt, I treaded carefully. I kept being scared of the cyst coming back and desperately putting salves on my skin that I noticed would help keep the swelling down. Aiden says, I want to help you. I get that you're protecting it, but I know how to make the problem go away. I promise I'll be gentle. He explains to me the channels of the lymph system and how he can touch me to help my lymph flow better. Scared, I turn my neck and offer the spot to him. His touch has never once harmed me, never unnerved me, never been indigestible to my body. He traces his fingers over my neck and teaches me how to do it too. From this point on, the surgery site fully heals and I'm not living with the fear of relapse. A place of red hot emergency fades, dissipates. Chapter 8 I meet Aiden downtown for dinner after his work shift. We are walking toward each other on a side street. The sun is still out and setting. He tells me I look amazing, and I do feel amazing. I'd been taking pictures, and after we embrace, he pulls back a little, like an affronted cat, instead of kissing me. You don't want to get the lipstick on you, I laugh. We sit down in a restaurant to have traditional American fare, hamburgers, fries. The normalcy of the occasion fulfills and touches a part of me that feels like even my normal day-to-day average life has become brighter and impregnated. I wipe all my lipstick off with water and a napkin. Aiden tells me that he broke up a fight the night before after work. It was cute, he said. A guy throwing punches was so big and drunk, I practically just had to hold his arm. Whoa, buddy, it's gonna be okay. 
in my mind's eye, I see the heavy arm kind of like a cave person's wooden bat, stereotypically shaped with a roundness at the end, moving through space in slow motion. Aiden is almost there offering warm milk and cookies instead. Let's rub your tummy, tuck you in for bed, big guy. When the cops arrived, Aiden shared laughs with them. Everyone got sent home like, okay, champs, take it easy. I like police, Aiden tells me. Why? I ask. Apparently, Aiden has multiple memories of the police coming to his rescue growing up when domestic disturbance calls were made about his father. I can see little Aiden, with an enemy and monster of a father, on the front steps of his childhood home, and the robust, masculine image of the man in uniform, kneeling down on one knee to look Aiden in the eyes and talk with care to him. It might have been different, a lot different for you, I said, if you weren't white. I feel Aiden's mind clicking and taking in that perspective. It's a strange quirk about Aiden that defies expectation. At first, I'd expect him to be anti-authority, but he isn't really. I came to discover he was so detached from society and convention that he didn't care to be anti-authority or counterculture. He was a separate thing. His favorite time in life was living on the beaches of Mexico with his grandfather, helping his grandfather into a wetsuit when he wasn't spry enough to yank the wet, rubbery material up his legs. Them fishing, cooking by the fire under an open, starry sky. The way they didn't really have much money and traded basic resources with the fish they'd caught. How even though Aiden has employment, and is even thinking of developing his business, especially with my influence. A big part of him just wants to live off the grid and be a body of the earth. He sees stressed out people in the city and just sees them as bodies who need massages, led by minds stuck in stories. We go back to his place and sit together in the all-dark kitchen, him sitting in the kitchen table chair, me straddling him. We're laughing, incredulous, joyful, because we both start seeing psychedelic colors when we kiss. Mandalas. We are our own drugs. One of his roommates comes downstairs to get something, and I perceive that she is a little annoyed at the sight of us, making out at the kitchen table, a double helix strand of kundalini wrapping around Aiden and I. A phase of the relationship with Aiden begins of talking, talking, talking about our dreams and plans. Let's make money. Let's be artists. Let's travel and meet up with our friends. Let's get Aiden's business off the ground. Let's dream up Monarch Astrology's next moves. Aiden is very warm and expansive about our talks, and he lets me give him business advice, which opens my heart a lot. He even gets excited as we dream up possible ways of branding and marketing his endeavors. I hate dancing around people's dislike of unsolicited advice when a function of my reality and energetic body is that I literally channel advice and guidance for people. It's hard to feel like myself around people who recoil at my input, who don't recognize my capacity and would rather have me eat their problems without digestion as though I were just some neutral sounding board. I get that I'm not for everyone, 
but if my input isn't welcome, I feel that I am not really received. And if I'm not received, I feel like an animal in a cage, and it might just be better to not be close. It's quite strange when someone wants to have me around, but only as a caged animal. Aiden is in full approval of my free, expressed animal. Aiden gets some new software and tech for recording music and encourages me to make music with him, even though I'm not a musician. He gets me to sing, has me improvise with him, even though that's not something I really do. Aiden's getting serious about it all, saying he's had amazing connections with bandmates or friends in the past, and they talk and talk and talk about their dreams and don't execute anything. It's like we're sitting cross-legged face-to-face in smoky liminal space, and he has his hands pressed down on my knees, looking into my eyes with urgency. We have to make something. And I'm just, okay. Obviously. What's the problem? One night he calls me to tell me he got us a spot to perform at a local weekend festival, that I could do spoken word, and he'd back me with music. And he also was going to dance. He basically had just ran into a friend downtown who organizes the event, and he or we manifested a canvas for our burgeoning creative energy. An interesting seriousness comes over Aiden. As he makes time for rehearsing and he pulls back his creative sexual energy toward me and redirects it into his dance, he becomes very stern and self-contained, but not after reassuring me that it's what he needs for his commitment to his performance to show up put together and not goopy and sex-brained. For a week or so, we spend less time together, but when I do see him, we rehearse. I am marveling more at how his body moves through space, now that he's not directing these erotics at me, beyond kissing me and saying, mm, so good, flashing me his desire, and pulling it back inside his art. I can't wait to have him back for myself. That same month, I'd reached out to a local event space and asked if I could put on an astrology talk. They said yes. Aiden offered me a spot for massage at his work right before the event. He is energetic and scientific. I feel him courting tensions out of my body, and every time something releases, My inner experience is matched by his recognition that this is happening, his sighing or his good job when something is let go of. Sensations that bring me to my edge, painful good, and his encouragement is hot. He spends time on my head and neck and tells me he can always feel the energy I have stored there from all my writing and thinking and genius. And he holds my neck and head with all this love and reverence, at once acknowledging my headiness without shaming it or accusing me of being wrong for being that way, as people are wont to do. He cares for the high voltage of energy there and soothes it. I sense that he's not keeping track of time. He gets in trouble at work for going over time. A little unfathomable to me, I'd think massage is hard work on the body and one would be punctual. So mid-trance, I ask about the time, and we are over. So he makes a few completing, integrative strokes, and I get ready quickly and rush over to the event. On stage, I am like the fool. 
I made no preparations except knowing what the transits were that I'd be talking about. I was totally winging it, and there were just two people and Aiden in the audience. It was very awkward, but Aiden was full eyes on me alert, participating, there. It definitely was not my best work, but I didn't get too hung up on it. It just occurred to me that it's really bizarre that I have this lack of stage fright and I could use a little more tension to perform better. Not the tension Aiden just alchemized, but something else. The night of the performance with Aiden, I felt similarly underwhelming as a performer, but like a gap in space-time had allowed it. Psychedelic light show dancing over us, a friend photographing us from the audience, the audience watching attentively. I got off the stage to watch Aiden's dance after. This grace and mastery of his body, the strobe lights echoing the angularity of his movements. Aiden felt like he messed up a few times. Afterwards, Aiden and I are a little bit disappointed, and he shrugs like, we'll have many more opportunities to work at our craft. Since the performance is completed, I get to feel Aiden's return to me. His hard body. The way blue lights will hover and flash in place on either side of him as our bodies merge, and I get the sense of validation from the universe that our sex is true, that nothing is lost in communication or slightly off. The action is true. There is nothing that can distract me. Every image in my visual field entices me. Every scent and noise arouses me. We keep visiting this channel, and every time it grows deeper, wider, darker. Darker.